Hi. Before today's episode, I have a quick update. Uh, the guest for this episode is Sharnita Mack, and as of this week, she just accepted a new position as Associate Digital Director at Rhodes Branding. So I want to say congratulations, Sharnita. That's amazing. And now we'll get into her episode. So today on Pay It For, we have Sharnita Mack. Sharnita is an experienced writer, journalist, and marketer. She has very broad experience ranging from reporting at a newspaper to handling social and PR at an agency and in a university setting. And most recently, she has launched her own entrepreneurial social media strategy venture called Hashtag Communication Goals. Uh, Sharnita, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So first of all, um, a little background on you. So where are you from? I'm from a small town called Williston, South Carolina. Where is that? Because I've never heard of that. <laughs> um, have you heard of Aiken? I've heard of Aiken. It's like 25 minutes from Aiken. Okay, okay. But it's in Barnwell County, so. Okay, I know that name. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. It's in Barnwell County. Very, very small town. Not a gotcha. lot of people are familiar with it. Okay. So um, what did you want to be? as you were going through, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, what did you think you were going to be? What what did I not want to be? <laughs> Should be the real question. But <laughs> at one point, I, I wanted to be like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I wanted to be an ice skater when I, <laughs> when I was young. Um, but no, I, for a long time, I, I would look at the TV and I would watch like Inside Edition mm-hmm. and like, you know, the news and be like, hey, I want to be you know, in journalism and in, in, in some capacity. So I really thought I was going to be a journalist per se, but anything that had to do with writing or communications, I knew I, I wanted to do that. Was there anything particular about um, Inside Edition or did you have any favorite journalists who made you think like, oh, this is my thing. This is something I could do. I can't even, I, I don't, I, does Inside Edition even still come on anymore? I I have no idea. I don't, I don't have regular cable, so, <laughs> so I don't even know, but I can't remember the, the lady's name, but the stories that they used to tell on Inside Edition, I just thought they were so spectacular, mm. and I used to tell myself, I'm going to take that lady's place one day. Mm. I can't think of her name to save my life right now, but it was just something about it being like newsy, but also like entertaining at the same time. I, I always thought I want to have her job one day. She has the coolest job. Mm. There was, oh, and now that I'm about to talk about her, of course, I forgot her last name. But growing up um, in the house next door to me, like directly next door to me, um, for a time, I can't remember her name, but she was a newscaster for WIS-TV. Her name was Dolores, but I can't remember her last name. And she lived next door to us. And my mom used to like, it seemed like my mom took so much pride in telling like a young me, like next door, like you see her on the TV, she lived right next to us. so what is, uh, what's going on with you? What's on your mind today? Um, COVID-19 <laughs> every day. Yeah. I've been working from home um, for the past, it's been about three months now, and we mm-hmm. still haven't been able to go back to the office. Um, it's, it's a scary time, but it's also given me time to, like you said, work on this business that I just started in mm-hmm. January. When I started in January, I had no idea I would have three months out of my full-time job to work on it. So I've been doing that um, a lot more lately and I'm kind of thankful for this time that I've had to, to develop it and get it 
to where it is right now. So, yeah. So we are definitely going to come back to that. Cause I definitely want to sort of pick your brain about that. Um, but I know now, uh, that you are at Claflin university still, right? I am. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you kind of walk me through what you do there? Um, you know, and kind of what your decision process was to work in higher education? Oh, what don't I do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Claflin University, um, for those listening who don't know, is an historically black college university. So um, with that being said, it's not one of the the big popular ones that everybody knows, like Howard, you know, or Spelman. So we don't have as many resources as they do, but we, we make it work. So Um, I work with a team of three other guys. Um, I'm the public relations and social media coordinator, Mm -hmm. and we make up the Office of Communications and Marketing. So my sole job really is to make sure that our social media is up and running and there's content constantly on the social media pages. But on the flip side, as a team, we do everything from promoting Claflin through newspapers, radio, um, TV stations, we help set up events. Um, we help uh, the president when he's when he has to do interviews. We we order promotional products for events. Um, we give those products out at events. Um, we do a little bit of everything. We go. We we've been in the CIAA. This is the second year we've been been excuse me been in the CIAA, and so we went to CIAA. We made sure that the hotel was decked out in Claflin materials, so everybody mm-hmm. knew we were there. And we went to the high school fairs and the and the middle school fairs with the admissions people. So we're just a little bit of everywhere. We're, we're kind of like the the we're kind of like the the team that goes and works with everybody on campus. So I, we do a little bit of everything. everything. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds super expensive. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When you said, what don't we do uh, after you explain everything? (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. So um, kind of, can you talk to me about um, how you decided uh, that you wanted to work at an HBCU or specifically Claflin? Um, I didn't specifically know that I wanted to work in an HBCU. Um, I knew that... I wanted to go back into higher education because I had such a good time. I didn't go to an HBCU. I went to USC in Columbia. Um, so, but I had such a good time at USC in Columbia and I met some great people who I still keep in contact with today that worked at the university. And I, for a while, I started to think like, I want to be that person for a student one day. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get into higher education, not only to um, help my career, but also to help a student along the way. And it's, and it's fun. And I'm kind of glad that I started my higher education journey um, with Claflin University because it is a small institution and I get to know the students um, by first names and I, and I know their faces. And so I'm able to help the university as a whole through my job, but I'm also able to help students just by, th- they can come up in my office and just sit down and talk if they need anything or say, hey, Miss Matt, can you, can you help me, you know, with this project in this, in this communications class, or do, can you help me get an internship or something? So I, I really take pride in being able to do that and help them. And so it's, it's fun being able to get to know the students and know them by name. And I'm still getting used to them calling me Miss Mac, but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I like that you said, you know, being that person for a student, um, mm-hmm. which is something I feel sometimes uh, part of the reason I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, it's because I had a handful of people um, 
who really sort of made a lot of things happen for me, made me exactly think that I could make a lot of things happen. Exactly. Um, and it, it's so important for us to have that kind of person, you know, and um, I have this, this idea that, you know, it, it, between the next five and 10 years, I'm going to decide if I'm going to go back to school and do like <laughs> a doctorate or something and do it now or you won't. <laughs> you yeah. won't well, I just feel like there's so much other stuff I want to try. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm kind of like, if I still want to do it, you know, at 35, then I'll, right. I'll go do it. Right. Um, so I know you mentioned um, a lot of the things that you and your department do um, that are kind of uh, social focused and content focused, but also like PR event, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. media relations. Um, how do you think that your time is um, like fairly split between what you would call social and PR or, or do they kind of just bleed into one each other, one, one another? Um, it depends on the day. It depends yeah. on the week, what we have okay. going on. Um, so we, Claflin University just got a new president. Mm -hmm. um, just He's only been there for a year now. So before that, we were getting ready to help retire another president. So okay. I came in in the midst of all of this. Mm -hmm. So while I do spend a lot of time on social media and developing content, a lot of time has been spent on doing events. We had this big big event for Dr. Tisdale when he was retiring and that took months to plan and everybody on the institutional advancement team had something to do with that. Mm -hmm. And then once he was gone, we had so many events to help introduce Dr. Warmack into the fold. So um, Clifton makes, makes its living almost like ha having successful events. Okay. And so the communications and marketing team is a huge part of putting on those successful events. So a lot of my time is spent, but I do, even if it's me at home late at night scrolling through Instagram comments or checking DMs at night, I do it just because I know that we are event focused, but I also have to keep the social media thing going because that's really what my job description says. Mm -hmm. So I have to make time. Okay. <laughs> which, I, which I don't mind, but yeah. I, well, I mean, that makes sense. So if having, if, you know, successful events sort of um, is really important to the organization mm -hmm. or the university, um, can you imagine, um, imagine you have, you know, an event coming up uh, two months from now. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of walk me through what you guys' internal planning process is for an event? Oh, yeah. So, um, hmm. So if we have an event coming up and say it's an internal event like our convocation or something, mm -hmm. we always try to give stuff away. So the first thought is, what can we give away? So if we don't have a promotional item already, we're, we're on the hunt for something that's not like too expensive, but we mm -hmm. can give to everybody that's going to be in attendance. Okay. And we're looking at how we're going to promote this. Who's going to write the press release? Who's going to get it to the newspapers? Who's going to get it to the radio stations? Um, how often we're going to promote it and all that good stuff. And then we're looking at graphics. So we have our graphic designer on our team and he's going to put together the graphics and it has to go through, you know, an approval process. Um, if it's an institutional wide event, then it has to go through the president's office and all that good stuff. And once that is approved, then I have to get it promoted on social media. We set a plan and we're going to promote it this many times, this many days up until the day and days before a lot of times us as a team 
um, along with whoever else is involved in the event, we'll go to the event venue, which a lot of our events are on campus, um, and we'll run through what we're going to do. This is where who's going to be sitting where, who are the special people that are going to be coming that we need to greet, make sure they're, you know, in the right seats. And then the day of, we're hands-on. If it's something that our athletics department isn't streaming live, then I'll usually go live on our Facebook page or our Instagram page, depending on um, what the event is. And um, our graphic designer also is a photographer, so he's usually there taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, our PR director is there making sure he's interviewing whoever he needs to interview and the uh, assistant vice president of communications and marketing is like overseeing everything and make sure everything is running smoothly so yeah so everybody yeah. has a job or two right we're, we're all working <laughs> yes yeah. all hands on deck all the time okay so you have your uh, BA in communications you went to USC mm -hmm. um, and now you are getting your master's in communications yes uh, so <laughs> uh between we're going to come back and, and talk about some of the jobs that you've had you know ever mm -hmm. since the ba and, and up till now but um so ba communications going to grad school now for your master's of communications what made you decide um you know talk me through your process of deciding to go back to school um, okay. As somebody um, who also went back to school. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a little tweak. It's my BA is in journalism. Journalism. Sorry. Yeah. Not communication. It's in journalism. So um, having a BA in journalism, I think people look at it very specifically. Like you have a, a, a bachelor's degree in journalism, you're going to be a journalist. So once I decided that journalism was not for me anymore um another story for another day yeah. <laughs> once okay. i decided it was not for me anymore um it was it, i'm not gonna say it was hard to get a job anywhere else but when people see it they think oh what is journalists trying to do in pr now because you can get a, a bachelor's degree in public relations mm -hmm. um but i didn't do that because i thought i wanted to be in journalism so um communications generally it's such a broad field I knew that if I went back to school and got this master's of communication it would make me look more um what's the word I'm looking for not presentable um more well well-rounded in the communications field um because let's be honest for one a lot of times um when people say you have a bachelor's degree and you're trying to go for these like higher paying positions, they're just gonna be like, oh, she only has a bachelor's degree. We're only gonna pay her this much. Oh, she has a master's degree. We can give her a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. And so being in this field, um, communicators, journalists or not, don't make that much money. <laughs> so um, putting those extra letters behind my name, I had to think, is this something that I really wanna do? yes i really want to be in communications too um is it worth my time yeah because i'm going to get more money at the end of the day <laughs> yeah and three um as a black person in this field where there aren't a lot of black pr professionals or you know black communicators is that going to help me stand out yes it will so i yeah. i might as well do it um while I'm still up for it. Like I told you earlier, you better do it now because you're not going <laughs> yeah. to do it after the years roll by. And I just started last year. So I had been out of school three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Three years in, um, I'm ready to be done, but, yes. <laughs> but, yes. I'm, 
but I'm gonna stick it out. I'll be done um next spring. So yeah. Oh yeah, you don't have I'll, long to go. Right. No, it was it's a pretty, pretty fast program. So all of those all of those thoughts went into it before I actually, you know, decided to enroll and, and start on mm -hmm. this journey. So um how did you decide on the actual program you ended up enrolling in? Okay, so for one, it had to be fully online okay. because um, I have a daughter at home and mm -hmm. um, we, we still live in Williston and that's because it's just easier for me because all my family is here to help take care of her while I work. Um, it's just easier. Yeah. So I wanted something that was fully online. I wanted something that was fully online where I didn't have to be online at certain times. It's kind of work as you as you want to work mm. so I can be doing homework at six o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock at night it really right. didn't matter as long as it's get as long as it's getting done the professors don't care um and then of course <laughs> the the price mattered yeah. <laughs> because student loan debt is a real thing um, I think a lot of people struggle with it um especially coming from a university like University of South Carolina which was not a cheap school to go to so um, I applied to a lot of different programs and a lot of programs that are closest to me don't have fully online programs. Like USC's program is not fully online. And I really wanted to go back, but I just, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't justify doing that, you know, going back and forth. When I work in Orangeburg, I live in Williston. I couldn't justify doing that. That's a lot of so, time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And so I got, I, I applied to places all over the country in like Delaware and like Florida and then Washington DC. Um, and I narrowed it down to American university um, in DC and Queens university of Charlotte in mm -hmm. North Carolina. And when it all came down to it, American university was just a little too expensive to justify that as well. So I ended up picking Queens university of Charlotte and it's, and it's going, it's going really well so far. And like I said, the professors are very helpful um and i'm able to do the work when i have time to do the work as long as i get it done on time so yeah yeah <laughs> no and i definitely understand where you're coming from on the self-paced aspect it yes. feels like you're actually in control of your education right um which is you know a, a different sort of motivator <laughs> i was just about to say it takes a different type of motivation because when yeah. there's nobody telling you that you have to get this done and it's like hmm I always I'm I'm bad at this, but I do sometimes I wait till the last minute mm. to get to get my homework done. I'm like, oh I, I guess I gotta do this now. I'm yeah. paying for it. I better do it, right? Exactly. <laughs> um so I wanted to jump back real quick to something you mentioned earlier. And it mm -hmm. was kind of around the fact that, you know, you were going for a master's with the end goal of being able to, you know, make more, which hundred mm percent. -hmm. So when you were making that decision and having that sort of in the back of your mind. Was there a job you were thinking of um, that you would make more in? Was like yeah, the, a particular I, job? Uh, director. I want to be director of something. <laughs> director of communications. Um, whether that's um, I'm I'm sticking with the higher education field right now. So director of communications at a college or a university or. Um, not sure if I'm ready to go back to the agency life, but <laughs> but maybe director of you know public relations in in that setting. But um, definitely jobs that after I think after being public relations social media coordinator for a while, it's like okay, I've been doing this for years now. Coordinator is like 
the low <laughs> the position titles i'm i'm ready to move out of that yeah and i think that um getting this master's degree is like a, the next step in getting me out of that you know it's still it's honestly like an entry level position and i'm and i'm i'm ready to move forward i i think highly of myself and i think i do good work and i think i deserve to you know to move past that now um i've been out of school now when did i graduate i've been out of school now four going on five years now and i think it's 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 sad but when people see you're like fresh out of school if you don't have six seven you know eight nine ten years of experience they're not willing to give you a chance to do mm -hmm. you know the higher paying jobs but I hate to say this, but as a millennial, you only have a, you have a very short amount of time before they move on to something else. And yeah. I've had to learn that I can't, I can't, um, I can't be loyal. <laughs> I can't be loyal to these companies when at the end of the day, they can let me go at any time. Mm. I have to get where I'm going and I, I have a goal to reach and, and I don't want to be working for someone for the rest of my life. Um, and that's why I started my own business um, as a side hustle right now, but I don't want to be working for someone for the rest of my life. So I need to get in these positions to make the kind of money that I need to make to be able to, you know, fully reach the potential that I, I know I can reach. Now, loyalty is such a good point because my mom has worked at the same place since basically before I was born. <laughs> And um, you don't see that today. No, mm -mm. Um, I've got a couple friends who have whose parents have sort of been at the same place, but you know, um, and I've talked to them because they're 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 always like, oh, just buy the place and you know, stay there. And oh. It's like, no, that's not how it works no. anymore. No, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure my mom is coming up on 15, 20 years at her job, and I'm like, God bless you. Because if I do not feel appreciated, if I if this job is stressing me out to the point where it's affecting my personal life or things that I just know that I don't have to deal with, mm -hmm. then I'm not going to stay. Because like I said, you can't be loyal to these <laughs> these these companies because they can they can just be like, ah, we don't want you anymore and you know, let you go at any point. So you have to find a position in a place where you love to work and you're willing to to stay that many years and and not saying that I'm getting ready to leave my job now, but until I find find that place where I feel like I'm I'm content and this is good for me, then if I find a better opportunity, then I'm not opposed to that's that's just how you know, pursuing it, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, a little while ago, you mentioned um, not going back uh, or maybe not going back to an agency. So walk me through some of the uh, the roles you've had. And in the process, hopefully you explain to me uh, what happened with this agency. <laughs> um, so so at my role at the agency was pretty much the exact same, almost the exact same uh, position that I had at Claflin, um, mm -hmm. public relations, social media coordinator. So, okay, so I have to give you the backstory how I got this job. So yes. <laughs> I was working at new the newspaper in Aiken and I was doing copy editing and reporting. Okay. And um that was, that was, you know, it was a nice job. First, you know, first job out of college doing all that good stuff. But then they told us that um, the paper in Aiken is owned by the same company that owns the Post and Courier in Charleston. Okay. And so they told us that um, all the copy editors were, all the copy editor positions were being moved to Charleston. 
So you either didn't have a job or you had to move to Charleston. <laughs> and this is why we and, can't have loyalty. <laughs> exactly. So I'm first out of college. I have a child at home and there's no way I can afford to live in Charleston. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm out of a job. <laughs> so I was doing, I was applying to all kinds of jobs, part-time jobs, full-time jobs, just to say, you know, I have to have a job. Like, I can't sit around and not have a job. Mm-hmm. And so a few weeks later, someone was like, I know this marketing agency um, owner, part owner, and she needs an assistant. And, you know, it's not what you want to do, but it's in that realm of what you're, you want to do. So go tr- check it out. And so I, I, I met with her and I had like an interview and she said, I wanted to hire you. I went in with the intent that I was just going to be her assistant, you know, maybe help write a little bit every now and then, Mm -hmm. but it turned into a full-time position. I became the full-time public relations, social media coordinator, handling social media for like 20 clients at the time. And it was not, they had no intention of of slowing down. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot, especially for someone coming in thinking they're assistant. Right. Uh, So 20 clients is a lot, period. (laughs) Right. So with no intention of slowing down and I, and all of them, weren't like I completely had control over it. Some of them were like I was handling some stuff and, you know, but it was a lot of clients at one time. Yeah. And so I worked at that job. We had a good time. I mean, I had a good time, but it was, like I said, they had no intention of slowing down anytime soon. And it was like, I was working all the time. Mm. there was there was it was 25 8 <laughs> you know it was all <laughs> it was it was all the time and I could not see myself working that much and being comfortable with it um especially when my daughter started noticing oh you're working all the time or you're working late all the time or you're working on the weekends too or, you know yeah. so I'm like yeah. okay something has to give these are great people this is a great company they're doing great things but when you have that many clients and your team is still very small, you have to have people there who are willing to work all the time and willing to, to stick that out. And not, I, I mean, that kind of makes me sound lazy, but, <laughs> but not, um, but not that I didn't want to do it. I just, there was nothing there that made me want to work that much, especially I was not getting paid yeah. that much. <laughs> no, that doesn't make you sound so, lazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for you to want to work me that much, then at least you can, you know, back it up with a little bit more money. And I did get a raise, but it still wasn't, I was still, you know, making, you know, I don't think enough for the amount of work yeah. that we were all doing. And so I had to make a decision um, am I going to stay in this position and be stressed out all the time and working all the time or I'm going to try to find something else. And so I started looking and lo and behold, Claflin University started, was looking to hire someone. And I said, I've never worked in higher education, but let's see what we can do, what I can do. And yeah. I ended up getting a job and it was hard for me to, to leave my old job because I was, I felt like I had to be loyal to them. <laughs> When at the end of the day, I had to make a decision for me and I was just, uh, I was just talking to someone the other day and he told us, uh, go where the peace is. If you, if you're in a place where there's no peace, then you need to move. Mm. And I was not at peace with this job I was in. And I, I cried when I left, (laughs) like I didn't, like, this was my first time ever really quitting a job. 
all that good stuff. So, but I knew that I had to leave in order to to get where I'm going. And it was the only way that I was going to be able to start my own business because because of the type of agency it was, they serviced all kind all kind of clients. There were there was no one off limits. So you had to sign a contract to say that you would not, you know, try to represent anyone on your own. Mm while working for them and if i was still working for them there would be no communication yeah issues. it's all here or nothing right exactly okay. so a couple of things out of that first is i think that go where the peace is is beautiful mm -hmm. and that yes. might be the title of this episode <laughs> um the second thing is um looking back are there particular um skills that you brought with you as a journalist to that agency that um served you well Yes. Um, this is going to sound very like basic, but writing skills. Yeah. A lot of people don't have very good writing skills. They can't format a good press release. They don't know how to write blog posts for websites. Writing is a skill that a lot of people just do not, they either don't like to do it or they're just not good at it. And um, in journalism, it's all about you know, it's all about your words, what you're right. And especially since I wasn't broadcast, I was print journalism. So I was writing all the time and I knew all of these things and this is what they needed. Someone who could, you know, format a, a professional um, press release and pitch it to, you know, news stations. And that was another thing. I had already worked in news. Mm -hmm. So I knew some of these people and I could, you know, personally say, hey, we have this client, you know, they have this event coming up. Can you cover this? So, you know, so I had that aspect as well. And I think um, that that kind of what that's kind of one of the things that um, they liked when I came to them that I had some, you know, some pull with the with the radio stations and the, and the newspaper. So, yeah. And so the third thing and the last thing out of that story um, that I wanted to ask, and this is, I don't have the words, so this <laughs> might sound like a weird question, but um, I have, so the context is go where the piece is. And obviously you did not have that at the agency. So no. I wanted to ask how different is um, the work pace or the work cult culture um, at, you know, Claflin? Mm -hmm. versus the agency how different are things now for you okay so uh, first off it's one thing to be handling 20 clients at once and then it's another to just hey all i have to worry about is Clefton university <laughs> so that definitely slowed things down a lot okay. a lot i could focus on this one thing and do it really well so that mattered to me when i was looking for a new job um secondly when it comes to, uh when it comes to culture um my old the agency job they were they were a little bit more laid back it was just like because it was like you know this this family owned business you know it wasn't you know i can't think of the word but they were a little bit more laid back you know drink beer on fridays in the office oh god that <laughs> sounds like my agency <laughs> Right. So it's it's the agency. I think that's the agency life. But when you come into an institution of higher education, there's a different mm -hmm. level of professionalism that has to be brought. And especially at uh, Claflin University, they HBU, HB, excuse me, HBCUs take pride in their institutions and they're very proud and very illustrious is one of the words they like to use so there's a different level of professionalism that you have to use mm -hmm. and 
Um, it's just different. Now, do we have fun in the office at Cleveland? Oh, yeah, of course. But when it's time to get down to business, it's time to get down to business. Gotcha. Um, let's be honest. Uh, when I was at my old agency, I was one of three black girls in the whole agency. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm surrounded by 90% black people. So yeah. there's a difference in the things that we talk about and the things that I say, you know, just feeling comfortable saying to mm. them. And so that made a huge difference. Um, and and it's it's been like, it's not a culture shock, but it's, I can definitely tell the difference. Yeah. And um, we, and at Claflin, we are, we, we talk to each other outside of work. Um, and we're like friends, but it's not like, um, I'm always talking to you all the time. We're professional, but you know, if I see something funny on TV, I might send it to my, you know, my work group message. Mm-hmm. And my old job, it was like I'm talking to you all the time. They want to hang out outside of work and do all these things together. And um, I remember one when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to leave the agency. I read something that said, um, "Don't let your the people at your job call you family and try to treat you like family." just so they can get more work out of you. And I was like, oh, that hit home. Yeah, that hit, that hit hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that hit hard. And I was like, hmm, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I need to leave because they they love to call you their family. And then they'll call you at 10 o'clock at night wanting you to, you know, do this work. And I'm like, that's. Yeah, that's no, that's not good. That's not. We can't do that. No. So, yeah. So what has been um, your experience sort of navigating your career um, up to this point as a black woman? Because it, it seems like. Uh, from what you just said, you feel much more, I don't want to say at home, but comfortable. Yeah. Um, when you can look around and see people who look like you. Right. Um, and, and the relationships are a little different. Yeah. Which is, which is natural. Um, when you're around people of the same race, you just yeah. feel a little bit more comfortable because you feel like you've been through the same things, you know, the same things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so me being uh, black and going through this path- um, profession has been, I won't, it hasn't been like super difficult, but it has been, um, challenging to find people who look like me to help me on this journey. Mm. So everything I've done, the people that I've used for references in the past just happen to be white people. You know, the people who I, who helped me get certain things happen to be white people but now that I am in a different setting where there are a lot more black people, I'm finding more people who look like me who are able to help me into, you know, new positions. And I'm actually getting ready to get started. Um, the late, a lady that works at Columbia college, she's a black lady. She does their um, public relations. She contacted me to help start a, um, black public relations society and we were all yeah we were all having a conversation and she was saying how hard it is to find black people in this profession and so I I'm thankful for people like her and the the small group of you know black profession uh, public relation professionals that are out there who are willing to you know reach out and say hey let's start this organization yeah, or, hey yeah. I heard about this job coming up you need to apply for it you know those type of things so yeah. Um, it's, it's good. I think it's been good for me to maneuver through, you know, a predominantly white, um, agency, 
um, and through a predominantly black one because I've had the best of both worlds and I'm able to to move how I I know how to move when I'm in either setting because because <laughs> yes. let, let's be honest you have to know how to move and you have to know mm-hmm. the right things to say depending on who you're around so I think I've I've gotten the best of both worlds and and it's helpful for me so when if I do apply for another job anytime soon whether it's white owned or that's black owned I'm I'm prepared to you know do what I need to do to, to get to where I want to go yeah absolutely so first of all um, that organization sounds amazing and um, that, I mean that's awesome that y'all are doing that yeah I'm excited um, I'm excited I think yeah. we actually have a meeting sometime this week so I'm super excited about that that's amazing um, two you're absolutely right about you know moving a little different depending on you know where yes. you are who you're with yes, exactly. uh, there's a lot of code switching exactly um, that's that's the words yes code mm-hmm. switching and, and it's kind of it's in a way kind of sad that we have to do it but it is the way this is america right yeah. <laughs> this is this is the way it has to be done um for people to respect you um the way i the way i talk at home this is completely different than the way i talk in the office mm-hmm. you know the way i talk to some people in the office completely different than someone i would talk to you know outside of the office so it's it's always it's like a constant you know a constant um it's like a, another job yeah, <laughs> that we have to do as black people to, you know, to, to keep it moving. It's curating your identity mm-hmm. based on where you are, who you're with, which is right. very tiring. It is. It is. Um, um, and you mentioned, um, you know, having people sort of looking out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about mentors. Have you had them? Um, have you had that sort of relationship with somebody? Um, not anyone, quote unquote, directly, which, and I really wish I have, um, but I have, but I, but I have had professors from USC and people who I worked with at the old agency who I've kept in contact with. And if that needs something from them, they're, they're ready to jump on it. Um, I contacted one of my old professors to write my recommendation letter for graduate school. And she was, you know, ecstatic to do it for me. Um, when I was applying to this job at Claflin, they were excited to do it. Um, so um, I, I, I personally don't have anyone that I can say, yes, that person was my mentor, but there are definitely people in my life and in my professional life that if I need something there, they will be there for me and with no questions asked. So, yeah. Okay. So at the top of the episode, you mentioned um, that you had started your own sort of side hustle. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of mentioned it again when we talked about some of the language in your agency contract and you mentioned, you know, how much time you've had to work on it. Mm-hmm. So you recently started this entrepreneurial journey in social media strategy. Um, take me through, you know, how you came to the decision to do it um, and what you hope to ultimately, you know, do. What do you want to make out of it? Yeah. Um. So it was something that especially when I got in full doing social media full time and I realized how much help people really needed. Mm. I'm like, Hey, I do this in my sleep. You know, I I'm on social media all the time personally. So if someone's going to pay me to do it, why not just do it? You know? Mm. Um, so I went back and forth with it. Um, and especially since like I said, I was working at the agency. I couldn't do it then, but when I left, it really like came top of mind. And people would always 
send me messages, call me and say, hey, I need, I have a question about this thing on social media. I need help with this on social media. Can you help me? And I'm like, why am I not turning this into something, you know, that can make me some extra money yeah. on the side? And so I talked to some friends and they were like, you, mind, you, you, you may as well just do it. Like, stop second guessing yourself. You may as well just do it. It's not like you're going to bust out and have, you know, 10 clients. Just try it out for a little while and mm-hmm. see where it takes you. And so top of the year, I said, okay, finally going to do this got some feedback on you know colors of the logo and what what i should call it and all that good stuff and i i did it i just put it out there and within the first month i had my first client and i was like maybe i can do this and i want to one day be able to turn it into an agency myself Mm -hmm. and not have to work for anyone else this could be this could be um funding my my life full time at some point because people don't know it, but social media and social media consulting, it, it's a, it's a business that people are willing to pay big money for because they just don't like to do it. They don't understand it. So if you do understand it, why not use what you just understand naturally to make money and one day be able to, you know, say, I do this full time for myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what is, uh, what's the range of things that you offer uh, to your clients? So right now I'm doing social media management, full social media management. Um, I can also just offer social media consultations. So say if you just want to talk about, hey, I have this idea for this campaign, and you just want to sit and you know strategize about it, I, we, we can do that. Mm-hmm. I also offer uh, content writing. So if you need a press release, um, press releases written, or if you need website content, I can write that for you. And I'm not gonna say I'm a graphic designer, but <laughs> for my current client, I have designed, um, impact reports for them. So I've, I've done that as well. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Yeah. So what is your approach to social in general? Like, how do you, um, how do you sort of pitch yourself to people? Like, uh, what, what actually is that, does that make sense? What are, what's your approach to social? Um, so you're saying like, how do I, how do I sell my services to people? Well, okay. So it's a bad question because, (laughs) (laughs) so basically what I want to get at is, um, how do you know um, whether social is what someone's doing on social is good or not? Like what's your, uh, oh, okay. what's your sort of point of view? Yeah. So if I get on your social media page and you haven't updated it in six months, what you're doing is <laughs> it's not, it's not working. If I get on your social media page and everything you post is only getting one or two likes every now and then, it's not working. I like to tell people that your audience will tell you which, if what you're doing is working or not. Mm-hmm. If they're not responding, they don't like it. <laughs> so if you're not getting the response that you need, then you need to change something. If you can't do it consistently, then you need to change something. If you don't understand what the difference between um, Facebook, how to get on Facebook Live in general. You know, some people, some people own businesses, they don't even understand how to get on Facebook Live. If you don't have, if you don't know how to do it, if you don't have anyone in your organization, but you're on social media, then you definitely need help. Mm-hmm. And so it's not um, rocket science, but you do need someone in your corner that is able to strategize with you and see what works because, um, at the end of the day, in 2020, if you don't have social media, you're already, you're already beating this game. 
<laughs> because when let's be honest when you go look for something anything the first thing you do is get on your phone and say hey let me see if they have a facebook page let me see if they have an instagram page and you try to you try to gauge what you think about them based on their social media profiles and if your social media profile is not the first one that pops up when someone searches for something then you're already losing at this game so yeah yeah fair enough um so uh i want to go back um to social and PR, um, what? Oh, first of all, how have um, things you've been doing at work and um, your interactions with coworkers changed since everybody's at home? You know, how how are your projects kind of going since everything's um, back at home? Um, with Claflin, yeah. Um, so there's obviously a lot more phone conversations. I've been on so many Zoom calls. I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. Um, but a lot of stuff, like I said earlier, Claflin is very event um, event heavy and since we can't have events, um, things have slowed down a lot. So we've had to rely on a lot of alumni news and, and, um, and student news to help, you know, push forward the, what we're doing um when it comes to stories that we put out or what it, when it comes to social media content and we've just had to really get creative about our social media content just to keep things going people i mean while COVID 19 is very important everything can't be about COVID 19 because people are tired of hearing it and it, it gets sad after a while you're just like i want to get on here and see something different so we yeah. we try to keep um you know uh happy attitude on social media and with our stories um Claflin actually just had this um signed this big partnership with Zoom. So we're still working in the background. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to have, we've had to, you know, get creative with how we interact with our audience. Yeah. So as far as some of the student stories and things like that, um what are some of the you know steps that you take as you're um figuring out how the campaign um will come to life on social? Um, it really just don't, just, it really, excuse me, it really just depends on what the campaign is. Mm. Um, I always like to run it by the people on my team to, Hey, what do you think if we did this? And especially, uh, with um, my graphic designer, because good graphics really make a difference. And, you know, so I always like to say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? So that's one of the first things I do. And we always try to get, um, when we can, we try to get our students involved in, in things on social media because our students and our president, because people love to see people and parents love to see their students on our social media. <laughs> yeah. So we always try to get them involved. Like recently we did like a Twin Tuesday campaign because Claflin has, I don't even know how many sets of twins. A lot of them have just graduated, but they had so many twins. And we were like, they're twins everywhere. So let's just do a Twin t Tuesday campaign. So <laughs> yeah. people, people love that. And so, um, you know, trying to involve our students, trying to involve our president, especially because he's new and people still getting to know him. Mm -hmm. um, that's always um, good ideas for us. So I always try to collaborate with my teammates to see what they think will work. Yeah. So um, when you guys are running campaigns, you launched them live. Um, how do you sort of evaluate, you know, what worked, what didn't um, at the as a campaign wraps up or, you know, if you're checking in throughout um, as yeah. it is live? The feedback that we get on social media. Um, the, the page usually our posts usually get a good bit of likes, but we can really tell what people really like. 
because they will share it and and Claflin has some very loyal alumni and and when they see something that they're like they're going to share it and so we really gauge by the the engagement that we get on the posts and we work directly with our institutional advancement team and so they're very big on fundraising and if they can get people like just recently we were trying to, we had HBCU challenge um, and we were raising money 19 days to, you know, commemorate June, Juneteenth, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And one of the posts in the campaign was, tell us where you're from, what year you graduated and um, what are you doing now? Um, got so many comments. Oh, and that was huge for the fundraiser people because now they have all these, these people that they can contact and have them as potential donors. So it's a win-win for just, the social media aspect, getting a lot of engagement, and it's a win for our um, fundraising people because now they have all these contacts. So we try to, we're, we're now really trying to use social media as an avenue to raise even more funds um, for, the, for the university, especially in the middle of COVID-19 when things are so uncertain. Yeah. Um, have you noticed if there are particular things that you can do, whether this is from a graphic standpoint or a copy mm-hmm. standpoint, um, or a platform standpoint that, um, you know, take something you post um, in the minds of the students or the alumni or the faculty or whoever's looking at it, um, that takes it from like good to like, oh, this is amazing. Like, are there things that you notice that really, really work really well? Yeah. Uh, if we throw a president on it, <laughs> it's going to do great <laughs> if we throw him on it. And we do have a lot of like notable alumni. And if we could get them to tag on to something or to partner with us to do something, that always blows up. Um, yeah, and in using our our student leaders, faces of students who people see a lot, like maybe like the SGA president or someone like that, those usually those usually blow up. Um, it's the people aspect is what yeah. does does really well for us. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Um, this is the last section, and okay. um, I, I asked these couple of questions to everybody. So um, the first question is, what is something that you're reading right now? This is funny. Um, do, have you heard of uh, Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Why does that, that sounds familiar. Pastor, Pastor Michael Todd. Um, he's, really, he's really big, like, with people our age. I'm trying to <laughs> think. I don't know. I, the look church it, look, name sounds really familiar, but yeah, I don't look it up. When, <laughs> look it up when we're done. But he has this book called Relationship Goals, <laughs> and so, and so I'm reading the Pastor Michael Todd's book Relationship Goals. But one of my favorite books that I just finished or recently was by um, Elaine Wolteroth. Um, uh, now the name of the book just left me. <laughs> More than enough. There it is. <laughs> Her book, More Than Enough. She uh, she has a really good book. So, um, I mean, she's a she's a female, but I think guys will have a good time if they take a read as well. What's uh, what's something you took from that book that really uh, stuck with you? Oh, a lot because she was one of the first black um, editorial fashion editorial um people hmm. for um a condé nast magazine oh, team vogue yeah team vogue and so she she gives a lot of good advice on being you know being black in these in these 
predominantly white institutions mm-hmm. or or um, companies and and how you have to you have to be yourself throughout it but like i said earlier you have to maneuver and you have to know how to move to to make these big moves and she's been making a lot of big moves and and i think she just has a lot of great one-liners that everybody can take from it and and so it's a really good book i'll put it on my list um what's uh what's something that's a challenge for you right now um time management <laughs> because i've been home for so long now yep. and i'm so used to the to the eight eight thirty to five work life and my daughter hasn't been in she was out of school for the last month and a half so we've really had to maneuver yeah me, me doing school work well while she was in school me doing school work she she was doing school work me doing my personal work and me doing full-time work mm. and so um now that she's it's technically summer break it's a little easier so i don't have to worry about her doing as much you know school work but we still have to time management is yeah yeah have you found um you know things that work really well for for you and your daughter yeah, yeah, we're, we're making it work. Uh, she she likes to try to stay up all night um, and sleep half of the day, which I don't necessarily hate because when she's sleeping in the morning time, yeah. I can work without <laughs> any, you know, any distractions. And then with my schoolwork, I usually do my schoolwork later at night. And by that time, she's, you know, in her room watching TV. So we, we're making it work. Okay. And uh, what's something that you're really proud of? Ah. Uh, starting my business hmm. um doing it as a single parent and working full-time and going to school yeah i'm i'm That's proud of me um, i'm proud of you. and i'm not saying that i i've done this by myself there's no way i would i'm sitting at my mom's house right now just so my daughter can be distracted um there's no way that i would have been able to do this without my family and my friends and you know professional people professionally in my life but i'm proud of me for being able to you know overcome a lot of things yeah no absolutely yeah um, and then the last thing is, what's a what's a piece of advice you would give to uh, Black students who listen to your episode? Mm. Um, I know we talked about like code switching and 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 being a certain way with certain people, but just know who you are and don't let anybody tell you any different. Um, I'm a firm believer that what is for you is for you. And if it's not for you, it won't come. So just be able, just know who you are, be able to to walk in any space and and be confident in who you are. Because if you are not, then people, because you're that black kid and you might be the only one in the room, they're going to try to run over you, say, you know, talk around you, but you have to to make your presence known and, and know who you are. Yeah. And the final question is, where can people find you online um, and where can they find out more about communication goals online? Okay, so um, by Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you can all, all of them, you can just search for Sharnita Mac. My first name is spelled C-H-A-R-N-I-T-A. My last name is Mac. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, um, Sharnita Mac. Um, on uh, Facebook, search for communication goals llc on instagram is at communication goals and i don't have a twitter right now for communication goals but instagram and facebook you can find me there 
Gotcha. Well, that's a wrap for uh, this episode of Pay It Forward. Um, so thank you again, Sharnita, for joining me. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Of course, of course. Um, so anyone listening, please rate, review, like, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast. Um, and you can find more about the podcast in general at Pay It Forward Podcast on social channels. And forward is FWD. Peace.